Welcome to Sirius and Limnik, a sci-fi audio adventure. The story so far. Lee Ma is a highly experienced intelligence operative working for Sirius, a decentralized organization designed to restructure society on Earth to facilitate human flourishing. Lee hosted a meal for his primary Sirius associates on the eve of a pivotal meeting to discuss plans to counter Janus and Limnik. Janus is one of the founders of Sirius, who now leads Limnik, a dangerous terrorist offshoot of Sirius, responsible for the murder of thousands of innocent civilians in the increasingly bloody conflict between the two organizations. Weeks ago, both foes clashed in a grisly battle in the abandoned mining town of North Bloomfield, in a remote location in Northern California. At the conclusion of the battle, Noelani Noe Acosta, a contracted offensive cyber technician and U.S. Space Force veteran, along with Sirius's elite mercenary unit, led by Kyler Drummel, encountered Janus. Before the group of fighters could land a killing blow, they succumbed to a mysterious force which left them unconscious, with no idea how Janus escaped. They narrowly survived the battle. While they were unconscious, Janus approached Rodan Mitchell, the acting director of Sirius. Rodan was astonished when Janus unexpectedly asked him to use his position as head of Sirius to partner with him in order to help humanity evolve. He told Rodan of an advanced technology that could help him achieve his cause. Rodan is a former intelligence operative who worked closely with his longtime friend Lee Ma. Through trial and error, he has managed to lead Sirius after another one of its founders, Barto Cooney, abruptly disappeared after the execution of the Order. Following the fighting in North Bloomfield, Rodan becomes aware Janus can read his thoughts. When he had the opportunity to kill Janus, to his surprise, he did not take it, but instead asked him how his technology worked. He told no one of his conversation with Janus, not even Noe who he became intimately involved with on the night of the dinner. He remained uncertain of his next course of action. Meanwhile, after an argument with his daughter, Jinhua Ma, Lee prepares for a crucial meeting with Sirius's leaders. The meeting will occur in his luxurious mansion in Yuba City, California. While the exterior appears as an opulent residence, in reality, it is his base of operations for his secretive work with Sirius. The fortress is equipped with state-of-the-art technology, defense mechanisms, and a monitoring station. But the nerve center of the manor is his study, where the fated meeting will occur. Lee knows gathering so many leaders in one place is a risky move, but with Janus's whereabouts unknown and casualties mounting, he decides to hold the meeting in person to make an announcement that will forever alter the minds of all who attend. Now you're all caught up. Enjoy Chapter 47. Disclosure. Chapter 47. Disclosure. 
By the time Jinghua made her way down the hall to the oak-carved door with the serious logo etched in the center, she could already hear the faint murmur of muffled conversations on the opposite side. She pushed the door open, and the sight of a nearly full room caused a wave of nervousness to grip her. The eyes of at least two dozen scientists and officials seemed to all be locked on her, scrutinizing her every move. Uh, good morning, she said. Her small voice echoed around the room. Her father stood behind his desk with a supportive smile on his face. It looked as if he had not slept at all the night before. He made a hand motion that beckoned her to join him. The hushed conversations resumed as she proceeded toward the desk. Along the way, some of the scientists greeted her. Dr. Pink Clipboard, the physician, Dr. Big Nose, the geneticist, both gave her brief salutations. She blushed when the digigenomic scientist, Dr. Handsome Handshake, winked at her. Besides the three researchers, none of the others in the white coats were familiar to her. Jinghua made no effort to try and learn their names. Standing behind the desk, her father by her side, she did pick out the guests from last night's dinner. Noe and her dad's longtime friend, Rodan, stood near each other, yet were engaged in separate conversations with scientist-looking types. Noe, in her dark green shirt and black work pants, looked slightly uncomfortable speaking with a heavy-set woman with graying hair and bold eyes. Rodan, in his black business suit, made small talk with a tall man wearing glasses and a plaid button shirt. She noticed them throw conspiratorial glances at one another at sporadic moments in time, their conversation partners aloof to their distracted audiences of one. Noe and Rodan seemed to want to communicate something to each other, but the distance and conference atmosphere of the room interfered, prohibiting effective communication between them. Across the room, Entering the door, she saw the old man with the square jaw and the buzz cut from the dinner march in. His posture was perfect, even though he was old. Really old. The two black guys from last night followed behind him. One was fat and loud. The other, skinny, reserved, and walking with a limp. They reminded her of the Super Mario Brothers without the red and green costumes. Tinghua giggled to herself at the observation. <laughs> By the time her attention shifted back to the desk where she stood, their leader, the old man, was standing next to her father. Kyler, I don't believe you met my daughter, Jinghua, her father said. The man with the buzz cut extended a calloused hand. Jinghua shook it. It's nice to meet you, young lady. The voice sounded official and cordial. Immediately, his eyes returned to Lee. When will we get started? He asked. In a moment. We're still waiting on Bartow. Oh yeah, the fabled economist responsible for designing the serious model. Yes. Lee consulted his watch. 
It's about 10.30 now, so he should have gotten here about half an hour ago. Wouldn't worry about it, Kyler said. You know how these egg-headed academic types can be? Not the most punctual bunch. Lee frowned and hoped nothing had happened to him on his way over from Lake Tahoe. He swept his eyes across the room. Scientists, researchers, and a few select Conville leaders had come from all around California to attend the meeting. He could feel the charge of anxiety running throughout the room, contributing to a much more tense atmosphere than he had anticipated. It was rare to have this kind of meeting, and most knew something big was going to happen. Even Lee was anxious to begin. I know I should wait, but we need to get this meeting started. All of us being here at the same time is too big of a target of opportunity for Limnik. Lee cleared his throat and adjusted a wireless microphone attached to his dress shirt. He raised a hand to call for silence in the room before he began to speak. His words came out with authority and a slightly commanding tone that surprised many people who were only aware of his mild-mannered and soft-spoken personality. First of all, I would like to thank all of you for taking the time to be here this morning. I know all of us are quite busy with everything that is going on, and it's hard to make time for things like this. Lee began to move from behind his desk. I'll get to the point. My sources have provided me with intelligence about Janus's strategy, and this is why I've gathered all of you here today. To give you a more detailed briefing about the true nature of the threat to not just Sirius or our convils, but to every human being on the planet right now. Whispers and murmurs rippled through the room in reaction to his words. Lee seemed to be unaware of the theatrical nature of the moment and continued to talk. From analysis and autopsies of the deceased human limnic fighters from North Bloomfield, interviews with personnel from Kyler's unit, and standard network monitoring, we have learned the truth about Janus's strategy and the terrible power that he possesses. By pulling the chips from the brains of the deceased, our researchers and analysts concluded that somehow Janus has found a way to hack the chips that have been placed in our minds and control the host's thoughts and actions. Gasps and reactions of alarm came from the group of serious elites in the room. Lee raised his arms for calm. When the reaction ceased, and all was quiet, he commanded, Display file 3529. The large monitors on the wall with various camera feeds suddenly switched from displaying random images of unknown locations to the faces of regular individuals. The faces were representative of the United States population, depicting people across the colorful spectrum of the nation's diverse citizenry. Young, old, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, male, female, transgender. Any possible demographic slice was represented. 
Kyler's muscles tensed. His face could have easily been among the collection of photographs. These are the faces of people that Janus has experimented on, at least the ones that we are aware of right now. Lee swallowed hard. Muffled and incoherent comments arose from the crowd. While he continued to speak, some have recounted their experiences on the social media message board spectacle. That is where we have mined the majority of our knowledge about how it works. Most users describe a similar chain of events. The computer or device display screen begins flashing, which the unknown victim mistakes for some kind of malfunction. Then they awake in a circular room, with memories floating on pedestals situated around them. Out of curiosity, or just wanting to return to wherever it was that they were taken away from, they eventually make contact with one of the memories. When they do, their body recalls the physical and emotional sensations that they experienced during that particular memory. After the ordeal ends, the person usually wakes up in front of the device in a state of confusion by what just happened to them. Among the elite professionals, an air of panic began to filter through the room, threatening to choke them all. Noe stood in wide-eyed belief, taking great effort to maintain her bearing and prevents the terror that she felt from shaking her to the smooth floor beneath her. So that's what happened. Why all those people were running around in the street yesterday? Some of them must have been Janus's lab rats. Suddenly, the memory of North Bloomfield rushed back into her mind's eye. She remembered the pleasant, warm sensation, wrapped in absolute terror caused by the lack of control that she had over her own body and thoughts. Powerless to escape the hold, she wondered if Janus could have stopped her heart or done any manner of vile action to her person while she was in that state. All she would have been able to do was watch herself die while being a prisoner of her own mind. She flashed a look at Rodan for reassurance. After last night, they had communicated little verbally. Rodan had to prepare for the meeting early, and she tried her best to sleep, despite feeling nervous about this meeting. Turns out I was right to be a basket case. Janus can hack our minds and literally destroy us from the inside out. Throughout the morning, she could feel him casting furtive glances in her direction. Whenever their eyes met, she felt sudden accelerations of her pulse from the memory of the sex. But she was never able to lock eyes with him for longer than a second before he or she was swept up in another official conversation. This disappointed her, but she knew he was just doing his job as executive director. I wonder how he feels about all this, she thought, while casting another look his way. Mind control. Rodan thought. So this was the technology that Janus spoke of that night. This was his power. I'm the executive director of Sirius. I can do something about this. I have to do something. But will it be enough for Sirius? Enough for humanity? Can Janus's tech really help us at all? Rodan stood with his arm dangling at his side. He was happy to be wearing a suit jacket, so no one could see the pools of sweat expanding under his armpits. 
Noah's eyes found his. He returned a slight smile. She had been a bright spot in the dark night that was his life. For that, he would be forever grateful. Just as she had thanked him last night, that morning, when they awoke in their shared nakedness, he thanked her. He thanked her for giving him the conviction to make his next move for serious and humanity. Thank you for being so human with me, he said to her. Hair falling over her face, her smile beamed at him, and she kissed him deeply, with all of her being. After that, Rodan was ready to do what he had to do. And once he made his move, he knew there was no going back. Lee again waited for quiet in the room. Once it came, he continued his briefing. From the diverse faces on the screens, he pulled one from the group and made the others disappear. It was an image of a middle-aged looking black male. All in the room stood in shaking anticipation of Lee's explanation for singling out this man. He continued to speak in a steady tone. This man, Kane Eastmont, age 47, a software engineer from Colorado Springs, just arrived at the Conville in Pueblo, Colorado a few nights ago. While he was going through intake at one of our community homes, he was overheard talking about why he had come to the city, leaving his previous life behind. He mentioned to one of our undercover agents that after a week of reliving key moments from his past in vivid detail, on the seventh day, he was shown a vision of his future. It was a future with a woman he had dated in the past, where he was living out his dream life. With that possibility firmly planted in his brain, he was prompted to seek out to the nearest Conville in order to have access to more visions of the future, as well as to his complete personal history, which he could choose to relive again and again, should he so desire. Lee's audience ignited again. Waves of coughs, expletives, and cries of dissent resounded from all of them. A young scientist with pale skin and a receding hairline raised his voice. So, what's the point in all this? What do you think Janus's endgame is? An anxious calm settled over the room. Everyone strained their ears and craned their necks to get a better view of a short Asian man as he sighed, then continued to speak once again. We believe that his goal is nothing less than the enslavement of the minds of millions, perhaps billions of people around the world through the use of this technology. It appears that by allowing people to perpetually experience their paths in stunning sensory detail, and or allowing them to live in a future that they long for, he intends to remove human will ambition, and desire from the board, making way for him to remold global society as he believes it should be. Limnik will act as his enforcement arm to purge or phase out those in global society who still cling to old world thinking, while Sirius, as it exists now, will provide the infrastructure for his future plans. 
both serve Janus's ultimate goal, which is the evolution of humankind and global society. Unbelievable. Can he really do that? Oh my god. It's finally happening. The utterances and outbursts of incredulousness and denial flew from the audience as each person let unfiltered biases and fears, long deep-rooted, spill out of their mouths. Lee let out a heavy sigh, allowing them to vent the visceral reaction that his words had prompted. After all, he thought, just days ago, I reacted in the same way. His eyes floated to Jean Wahab beside him, who appeared to be deep in thought about something. If she was afraid, he could not tell. Ever since he had revealed her true nature to her over a month ago, he had lost the ability to read and truly understand his daughter, in more ways than one. From the crowd, Cheeks took a heavy step forward. How can we beat him? I mean, shit, this gotta be a way. Everybody's got a weakness somewhere. Spacer gave a firm nod. Agreeing, other members in the audience echoed the optimistic thought. Lee waved his hands for quiet. The audience found a reluctant silence once again. With a lowered head, he replied, As of right now, our scientists are still gathering data and researching to discover just how Janus is able to do what he does. It's a complicated process and one that cannot easily be protected against. Most of the global population has already been chipped, and the few people who do not have chips implanted are extremely elderly and would probably not be able to help us defeat him. As for the rest of us... His pause originated from uncertainty for himself, the occupants of the room, and every breathing person on the planet. Any one of us could be easily affected by Janus's form of manipulation. As if all of the air had been sucked out of the room, an eerie hush fell over everyone, suffocating any movement or speech. As each person scrolled through their personal histories, they wondered how one man could infiltrate the supposed privacy and control that they had over rich inner worlds, private aspirations, and secret thoughts to manipulate them from within, transforming them all into slaves of their desires and past glories. It was a fear so difficult to understand, yet so horrific, that none could express it in words. The sound of a ringing telephone pulled them from their thoughts of despair. Lee, initially surprised by the timing of the strange noise, looked to the corner of the room and realized it was his emergency phone. With curiosity and a stab of trepidation, Lee took long strides toward the corner, where the obsolete recliner and landline telephone sat under the soft light from an old standing lamp. As he stepped through the palpable aura of muffled panic that loomed like an inky shadow over the room, all were still on edge after the disturbing revelations he had just discussed. Their thin veneer of professionalism and poise was eclipsed by human survival instinct. The ring continued to echo as Lee passed through the throng, 
Who could it be? He paused for a moment to gather what little reserves of courage and resolve that remained with him. Took a deep breath, then picked up the receiver. Hello? A metallic, grinny voice spoke to him. We enjoyed your briefing, Mr. Ma. It was very enlightening. The voice crackled through the speakers with low fidelity. It was definitely being filtered through some modification device. It hacked and coughed violently on the other end of the line. Although he could not discern who was talking, Lee could hear the loose phlegm gurgling in his mouth before the speaker was forced to spit it out. Now you will witness the true capability of our power. Lee opened his mouth to speak, but the voice on the other end disconnected the call. Setting the receiver slowly back on the base of the old telephone, he turned to his colleagues, friends, and family, scanning the confused and fear-ridden faces. They waited for him to say something while holding their breath. He took a step forward, looking for the right words of reassurance to find him. Nothing came, and his face reflected the look of fatigued despair as an inconvenient truth dawned on him. We've been compromised. The sound of a distant explosion shattered the stillness of the room. It began as one, then several more boomed outside, not far from the house. Lee knew they were under attack, and if the threat from the mysterious voice was credible, the leadership team of Sirius was in greater danger than he ever anticipated. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Sirius and Limnik Audio Drama Podcast. Sirius and Limnik is a Hayden Academy Collective, or Hack Studios production. It was written, produced, scored, and edited by me, Keith Hayden. If you enjoyed it, head over to the show notes and consider dropping a donation my way. Every little bit helps me produce more and higher quality work. You can also support by following me on Twitter where you can discover behind-the-scenes info about this podcast, engage with me in semi-real-time around the multitudes of other topics that I write about, and much more. Finally, as of January 2023, Sirius and Limnik is now available on YouTube. There, you'll find the story enhanced by customized visuals so that you can further immerse yourself into the world of Sirius and Limnik. You'll find the link for this, my Twitter profile, and for donating in the show notes. Thank you so much again for listening. It's listeners like you that make all of this effort worth it. I look forward to getting the next episode out as soon as possible. Until then, take care.